So last time we had Zach on, we talked about Bitcoin and it's the single greatest series of disagreeing. In fact, maybe even slightly angry emails I've ever gotten since we went straight to podcasts. And like you said, it can be hacked. You, I, the people sitting there going, you can't hack the blockchain. blockchain. Okay, that's fine. But there is a, there's, a, there's a company called Mt. Gox, okay? It, it was one of the biggest Bitcoin uh, exchanges, right? The exchange got hacked. All right, so we'll talk about that plus stewardship, the Christian way with Zach Abraham. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And they're confusing financial times, and and they really, well, I mean, they're designed to be confusing. The game is, as we've learned talking with Zach more and more often, the game is rigged and they're not following the rules. The rules are for us. I mean, that's what the party does, right? The, the rules are for us, not for them. And in all of this, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, with Zach's advice, how to deal with the rally, because there is the thing we've been taught to believe about our system, that the banks are on the up and up and everybody follows the rules and the regulators regulate and none of that's true. Uh, but what is the reality and how do we navigate that? And I'm always fascinated uh, by people who maintain their soul in industries where it's really difficult to maintain your soul. And when I, I worked in Hollywood, it was always incredible to meet people who were unaffected by Hollywood. I believe I, I didn't know him well at all. I spent a couple of hours in his home. But Harry Shearer from from The Simpsons fame and from Spinal Tap, he seemed utterly unaffected by any of this. Um, a dude that's going to sit down and pick toe fungus in front of you is probably unaffected by fame. Uh, I don't know if he knows the Lord, uh, but likewise, when I would meet people in D.C. or New York who somehow were able to make themselves immune, you, you know, to the seduction of those industries and, and that work and, and frankly, a, a pretty lawless society. Uh, it's really interesting. You know, we're called to steward God's money and God's resources. And I think that's difficult at best to do sometimes. When you work in an industry like finance, I think it's really hard to do. So I want to talk about that. Plus, yes, get back into the Bitcoin controversy. A lot of people really, really upset with me about that. So joining me now is Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital Management. Uh, welcome back, Zach. Always good to be here. Thanks for having me. I tried to email you earlier, but we got canceled by MailChimp, so you probably didn't get it. I, that's almost like a badge of honor, though, you know? Uh, yeah, but like I mean, I, every, all the cool kids get canceled by Twitter. I got canceled by MailChimp. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're... You're, 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 you're handling real business, man. You're not just yelling at people online. So Absolutely. you know they're pinching you where it hurts. Uh, well, we'll just go get another email service provider. They're terrible. So we only did it to launch. They're awful. Um, so we were going to switch anyway, but uh, in any case, we were going to talk about a really heavy topic um, that is both joyful. Um, and I think it's heavy 
Um, because I've talked to pastors at churches, you know, as I'm looking at becoming ordained one day, if I can fool people into doing that. And they, um, there's two things that they say causes division in church. Number one is music that pastors call the music ministry, the war room, because no one ever fully likes the music, which is insane. Um, the other is people do not want to hear money discussed in church. They don't want to hear, you know, they don't want to hear, they don't want to be asked for money. Uh, they don't want to hear it preached about. Um, and that's like 70% of people get uncomfortable with this. And um, I know you uh, being a, you know, a Christ follower, and I think you're a Jesus neither. Um, you are in your own life, a guy who believes in what tithing or, or how do you do that in your life? If you don't mind my asking. Uh, so, it, so it's kind of an evolving goal for us. The, t- the 10% is a starting point. Yeah. Um, and our goal is long-term is to sort of follow the Rick Warren, uh, model, which is, um, you know, my ultimate goal to get to the point where we could give away 90 and live on 10. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but that's, but that's certainly, the, that that's to me the priority in, in, you know, in my life, it's, it's pretty easy to justify. I, I wouldn't, um, <laughs> we get a lot of credit sometimes for the firm that we've built and, I, and I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Um, but before I turned the direction of my life over, um, that success wasn't there. And it, and it's so easy to, uh, for me to, to, to triangulate where that came from. You know, there's this like off and on switch in your life and you start doing things God's way. And all of a sudden, all the things that didn't work worked, you know, you could sit there and go, that's coincidence. Or you can take a bit of a humility pill and go, no, this is the difference from, um, you know, having, you know, providence at your back and having guidance and, and protection and, and God blessing the work, you know, blessing your work. Um, and I think it's really important to keep at the front of your mind at all times that, 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 that can get pulled, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. at, any, at any time, yeah. you know, th- th- there are no guarantees. And, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, as, as important as my faith is this whole, uh, prosperity theology, it just, it, it roils me because it's, it's so inaccurate. Um, God doesn't want us to be rich. God doesn't need us to be rich. He doesn't need rich people to follow him. God can figure out how to fund his causes and his people <laughs> yeah. without any of them. Right. And, and, and the way I look at it is uh, if, if I get called to participate or help in that, I've been lucky enough to be trusted with that, with that, with that duty. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. It's not an obligation. And um, yeah, that's, I'm kind of rambling here, but, but that's, that's the way we see it. That, that, to whom much is given, much is required. And the more that you're given, the more you're expected to give away, period. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. So before we get into, you know, official stewardship, because your stewardship, you, you steward other people's money. And I do want to talk about usury because you don't do that. I mean, you help people create gains and 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 save for retirement and maximize gains and minimize risk. And, and you do that very well. Um, you said something interesting about this off switch. Did you have a Damascus Road moment? Did you have a moment where you realized that God had come to you and said, well, look, you can continue on this way uh, or maybe you want to come to me. Did do you, have you ever shared that? Not publicly, but I have no problem doing it. I, I mean, I've shared it with anybody that has ever asked yeah. it's not on the air or anything, but I, I'd be happy to do it. Um, yeah. So I, so I was a good kid. Um, I was raised in a Christian family, um, you know, played football again. I was a good kid. Um, but I had a belief that God helps those that help themselves. 
And I was going to go to Wall Street and be rich. And as soon as I was done getting my finance degree, my goal was to go get an MBA at Wharton. And uh, that, that opera, it's funny, I look back on it and God's plan is so clear in retrospect at the time. It's kind of a lot of curveballs. But um, my, the dean of my business school called me in, in my last semester and he was a PhD from Wharton. And he said, hey, Zach, uh, there's this program at Wharton where previous alumni get to put somebody up. It's kind of like the equivalent of a senator sponsoring somebody to go to West Point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that basically when that person uh, 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 you know, points you out, you, you get an automatic in. And um, he said, I'd like, I'd like to nominate you for that. And I remember walking out of his office and going, I can't believe that the biggest goal at that point in my life had been accomplished. I made it. Went home and talked to my wife. We were married young at that point. Um, I think I was 24 and uh, left school to make some money and then came back to finish and then and have this conversation at 24. And uh, we talked about it and I couldn't really put my finger on it, but for whatever reason, it just didn't feel like the right thing to do. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. And at that point, that Damascus moment, that road to Damascus moment hadn't happened yet. And so I came out, took a job at Russell Investments, um, was getting ready to take a a job on their sales desk, which was going to be a big jump up for me. Um, And then the financial crisis started to unroll in 2008 and they had a hiring freeze. And so I had a lull where, where the job that I was working at at Russell ended and then I was supposed to start that other job in like February, but, but it got frozen. Right. Wow. Um, Yeah. And then that freeze didn't come off (laughs) for a while. So so, you know, by the middle of summer, I'm sitting there going, look, I don't know when this is going to be over. I don't know how long I can sit here and wait for Russell. I got to just take a job, right? I'm, I'm newly married. My wife's working. I got to take a job. So I take a job as a financial advisor. My first day starting out was September 15, 2008, the day Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy. Oh, <laughs> if, if nothing else, I've got great timing, right? All right. Uh, yeah. So, so in about two weeks after I quit, my wife who was still working at Russell at that point, the hedge fund she was on broke the buck and uh, she got laid off. So, so it, it was chaos. Um, and then I was in the, in the wirehouses, uh, the big brokerage firms up until 2012 and then got a really good opportunity to take over the retail investment arm of a um, investment bank down in LA. So really excited. Careers really starting to pick up, go back on track. Uh, I'm down in the investment bank in LA for 45 days. CEO calls me. They lose this really weird lawsuit that he, he disclosed to me before he hired me. The bottom line is 45 days after I took the job, they had to close their doors. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, so all of that was because of the financial layoffs that we had had, we had bought our house on a contract. And so we were robbing Peter to pay Paul. I wasn't paying the property tax at that point. We had a baby. We didn't have the money, right? We, we just kept having these missteps. And, um, and so it ended up, I was about four and a half years behind on my property taxes, right? Because all these failures weren't supposed to, you know, we'll get them next quarter, right? We'll get them next quarter. I got a new job. We'll get them next quarter. And, um, so next, so all of this about, it's about a month and a half, two months after I lost his, or, or the, the firm closed in LA, um, I get an eviction notice on my front door Oh, and yeah, it, it was, it was brutal. And it was one of those moments where again, you know, good guy, me and the family went to church, not, not religiously, but you know, and it was just that in that moment, my home office 
where I hit my knees and I still remember what song was playing and everything. I just hit my knees and I cried my eyes out and I, it, it was a capitulation. It wasn't God saved me. It was a capitulation. It was going, okay, I've got to come up with $30,000 to save my house out of foreclosure, to keep my family from being taken out of the only home they've known. Right. And I've got to come up with that in about six weeks. Well, one of the things that I was struggling with is I, I, I could borrow five grand from family. I'm not going to ask family for 30, right? Um, a, I didn't have any confidence that I'd be able to pay it back at that time. You know, just the bottom kept falling out. Yeah. Everything I did. I remember being in tears on our, our back porch, looking at my wife going, am I cursed? You know, just like who gets this kind of bad luck. Um, and so at that moment, I just felt like it was kind of a breaking point where I just said, look, I've been doing things my way. Not, 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 bad, not, not immorally, but just my way for so long. And, uh, I I'm crying uncle and I'm not asking you to save me. I asking for a $30,000 bailout in the space of six weeks is probably impractical. Um, but you know, I was just, just, I don't want this pain any longer. I'm resigned to the fact that we're going to lose our house, but I don't want this pain any longer. Um, got a client about two weeks later and that deal, uh, that new client acquisition, it paid me, uh, on the penny, exactly, literally on the penny, what I owed for property taxes. Wow. And, uh, and then since then, obviously you go through a moment like that and you go, you know what the key is here? The key really is to keep my eyes focused on God and everything else to take care of itself. And so, uh, he brought us our first employee and the firm started to grow. Now, now, uh, you know, I went from aspiring to go to get my MBA from Wharton. So three of the employees that, that work for us now are, pa- are pastors, ordained ministers. Yeah, right? Right, so right. it's, 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 it's just funny how God's handprint is all over it. And so, um, you know, with every new milestone that we pass for every new employee that we get there, I'm, I'm a human being. There are times where I feel myself chicken, sticking my chest out a little bit. And then, you know, I have moments like I had this morning in my prayer time and my quiet time where um, I had another really cool thing just kind of come out of nowhere that was a product of, you know, our success over the last six or seven years. And it was more humbling than anything because it just reminded me of, remember where you were, yeah. you know, when I found you, yeah. I get choked up talking about it, but you know, Hey, little boy, remember, remember how you got here. You yeah, know, you're and, eating, you're eating the slop with the pigs, like the product. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. And, and hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that God will speak to us in the gentlest ways when we're, when we're getting puffy. Um, and I've learned to listen to that. And I haven't learned. God has said, um, look, um, I'm putting your face in the dirt. Uh, cause I right. needed it, Zach. I needed to suck mud water from the, from the ground. Um, me too. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's the silliest little thing. This is so utterly silly, but we have uh, two dogs. One of them appears to be stupid. Uh, she's our bigger of the dogs until you go to understand. No, she is a completely, uh, she's EQ. It's emotional quotient. She's, she's, a, she's, yeah. an, honestly, she's an empathy dog. It's bizarre. Um, we're walking one day down this icy road and a dog, my dog slipped and fell. I thought it was the funniest thing on earth because it's a dog. Dogs aren't supposed to slip and <laughs> yeah, fall. Yeah. So I said, Ooh, scary yeah. ice, Lou. And the next thing I go, boom, smack, it hit my head against the pavement. 
<laughs> I see the Lord going, I gave you this beautiful dog and now you're, you're being cruel to your dog. Oh, have a seat, son. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, a, here's a chair. That's so amazing that you'll, you know, um, talk about that struggle. But I think that that probably makes you a better financial manager because, you know, man, you know, the value of, of the money that people get from God and that God gifts us with and asks us to steward. Um, so how does that weigh upon you or does it given the inherent business models around which you operate? Not you bulwark you obviously have God at the center of things but you operate around you know business models of usury um mm-hmm. you know visa mastercard um some of those banks are not particularly our friends um and they're operating on on high high levels of usury uh and i think yeah. sometimes deceptively so i mean how do you navigate that and know that you are stewarding well um in a godly way other people's money you know, that's a great question. It's something that we struggle with on a day-to-day basis, truthfully. Um, I think the first thing that, that I struggle with is um, that, that there's an adage in this business or in any, in gambling or poker or whatever, it's been applied to many different things, but uh, scared money doesn't make money. And it's true. Um, however, that's got to be balanced with you know, uh, a steady hand that's got to be balanced with discipline. That's got to be balanced with, um, research and, and work, you know, um, it, it's not good enough to be brash. The, the other thing that you think about is that, um, on the stewardship side of it is, you know, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not just trying to maximize trade value here that I've got people's livelihoods in my hands. Um, and that's really tough. And that honestly, that's where my faith, I think, plays the biggest role in how we manage money. Like I've said before, and you and I have joked before that God doesn't give you stock tips. And, that, and that's true. Um, but what I pray about and I think about it, that's what I was focused on this morning is just um, if I'm wrong and the way we're positioned is wrong, please, you know, please let me know um, uh, by, by, you know, not again, not sending me down like a like a telegram, but um, let me be open to it. Let me be humble enough to listen to other people around me. You know, cause that's the other thing. I feel like all the time we ask God for a prayer, it reminds me of the guy sitting on the, on the roof of his house during the flood, you know, and he's like, God rescue me. And the guy comes by in a, in a rowboat. Right. And then he's like, no, no, God's going to fix me. And the other guy comes in and, you know, right. and he goes to heaven. He's like, Hey, I wait. And he's like, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Man. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I just think that sometimes, and I've seen that where it, it was, the, the reason I was in the right place is because I was being still and quiet and waiting. Right. And, and the right thing came along and in investing that can be really tricky sometimes. And that's where I just keep going back to, you know, read a lot of Solomon and, and, and think long-term. Um, and then as far as the investment selection of picking the, 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 um, uh, you know, having a moral way that we select companies, that is something that plays into it. Um, like there are places I've told you that we will not go. Like for instance, anything that is tied to sex trafficking or pornography or anything like that, we will not touch. Um, and there are other things. If I know that a, if I know a company is downright uh, uh, with a usury like business model, yeah. um, I won't touch that either. Um, there are ex- like the only exception I would make is I'm not a fan of what, you know, Facebook does and social media and Google and stuff like that. I feel like protection for our clients. We have to have an allocation to those because they're monopolistic powers. And I, you know, as much as I, you know, my job is to manage money and keep it safe and grow it. But, um, 
No, I just think it, I, I, again, we were thinking about it this morning, just it, or I was thinking about it this morning, just going back to when I am most confused or when I've got the most questions or I'm questioning the way we're positioned or what decisions we're making in the portfolio. I'm asking questions that I know I inherently can't answer. I don't know what the stock market's going to do six months from now, but I'm a firm believer that God's given us a platform and a stencil almost that if we follow it, it, it's not going to be smooth sailing every day, but we'll reach the destination yeah. and we'll reach the destination intact. And that's the most important thing. And trying to balance that with short-term results and long-term results and investing can be tricky, but okay. you know, I think it's just about following the process. So I want to um, let you know that the last time you were on, I brought up Bitcoin and it's the first time in a conversation um, I got a couple people really angry at me, at me. Um, and <laughs> And I think they misheard me, but that's okay. I want, because I want to have this as discussion of stewardship with Zach Abraham, Bitcoin um, and instruments like that. Hey, reminder, I was just joking with Zach. Not, it's not a joke. We really did get um, canceled by the fine people at MailChimp. Always go with a company named after a chimp. Uh, one of the things that you can do is rate our podcast if you deserve if you feel it deserves five stars by all means do that and what we're having some fun with is people are rating the podcast five stars leaving a note and then sending it to mailchimp on twitter and they like that um, they enjoy seeing that it, it helps them uh, feel good about their decision. So even if you, if you listen to it on whatever platform, just leave the, the rating you think it deserves. Hopefully you feel it deserves a high rating, uh, write some words, take a picture, just tweet it to them. And I think it's, I think it's just a way of, you know, letting them know that you really do love uh, the mail. Uh, uh, what is it? Mail cheese? Mail, what chip mail chip. Sorry. Um, Zach, I got a couple people who came to me, um, pretty guns a blazing as my grandpa would say, are oh, you coming to the room? Guns a blazing. And, uh, on, on their high horse, as my mom would say, my mom used to say to me, you're yeah. on your high horse. And one day I just said, what's that mean? High horse. Like, you mean a tall horse? What are you talking about a high horse? You, you shouldn't be tall horse. Um, it's like 16 hands, right? right. 16 oh, hands. That's 16, how, yeah. yeah, 16. There was a, yeah. We were talking horses this morning, and a guy gave his daughter a 17 horse hand, or a hand horse. Oh. So, Zach, let me ask you this. Um, I, I talked about Bitcoin and said a couple things. I said, if it can be coded, it can be hacked. Therefore, I'm uncomfortable with it. And also, I was saying, I don't think the government's going to let these independent currencies exist. I get that you, I love that it's decentralized. I'm, I'm the biggest champion of decentralization. I love that there may or may not be barter deals going on in the state of Idaho, that people may or may not be privately selling land outside of government purview so they can choose their neighbors, that, that people may or may not be trading labor to modify guns in certain ways that maybe you're not supposed, I mean, I love that that may or may not be happening. But my point about Bitcoin was this, like in stewardship, where I'm getting is I want to own real things. Now, that's always, you know me, my thing has always been land. I want to own real things, things God makes and people, you know, Bill Gates is going to try to get us to eat fake plastic meat. Good luck. I'm not doing it. Um, but I want to own real things to me. That's the most solid of stewardship because God made it. Um, and and maybe that's going to maybe this is going to be like where science catches up with the Bible, like science is noticing neuroplasticity. Oh, look, you can continue to change your mind. Your mind, your mind can be filled with good things and can replace bad things. The Bible said that very early on. Do not let your mind be taken captive by deceptive, empty promises of the world. 
So maybe this is going to be the financial world catches up with God and says, wow, real things have value. That's what I was saying about Bitcoin. Right. But people got mad at me. So can you rescue me and let my listeners know? No, no, Todd's not. He's not completely weird. Yeah, no, look, I, I, this has been, (laughs) I, I, I know exactly where you're at because, um, I've taken flack on both sides of this argument from people. And I think that what happens is first and foremost, I I would just say from my experience, do not get emotionally wrapped up in an investment. There's people out there now that are going to be sitting there going, no, Bitcoin's the answer. Guys, I call that one asset investing, meaning I've done this for a while. Anybody that thinks that one investment is the answer to all their problems is going to get hammered. Okay, just, just, just take my word for it, right? Diversification is real. It works for a reason. There is not one answer to financial security. The world is unknowable and it is always evolving and changing. Um, there is no one answer. So that, that first and foremost, I'd say inject a little humility in your outlook because you may not be right about Bitcoin. I will acknowledge today I may not be right about Bitcoin and that's kind of the way that I approach it. And honestly, the way I heard you approaching it, which was, this is a completely new technology that's completely unfounded. One of the things I laugh about, Todd, and if I can kind of bolster, and I want people to hear what I'm saying because I'm not saying that Bitcoin isn't this, okay? But I've gotten in a lot of debates with guys that go, Bitcoin is a hedge or protection against a falling dollar. And I look at them and I go, how do you know that? And they're like, well, and they go on this long diatribe and I go, guys, you've never owned Bitcoin through a dollar collapse. (laughs) You don't know. This is, look, I can see why you'd say that. I understand the way that Bitcoin is constructed and I can very much understand why you'd come to that conclusion. But you don't know because it hasn't been through that. Okay, so to make these extrapolations of what it is or what it isn't, it is still evolving. We don't really know the place it will hold. And like you said, it can be hacked. You, I, the people sitting there going, you can't hack the blockchain. blockchain. Okay. That's fine. But there is a, there's a, there's a company called Mt. Gox. Okay. It it was one of the biggest Bitcoin uh, exchanges, right? The exchange got hacked. What if they hack the exchanges? What if they hack your wallets? Just looking at the government and saying what they can and can't do and putting limitations on them. I would have told you three years ago, the government couldn't lock down the economy and mandate that we take vaccines. I've learned that they can. I thought the Federal Reserve was prevented from buying corporate bonds. I've learned since that that's not the case, right? I mean, I just these people change the goalposts. So to sit there and say, no, the field is 100 yards, it will never be 120, I go, oh, I, I don't feel comfortable managing my and other people's money. I don't feel comfortable with that level of certainty. So, you know, I, do I think Bitcoin go to a million bucks? Yeah. And, and I can understand the people that make that argument. Do I think Bitcoin go to zero? Yep. Yeah, I just you look, no one knows. I've worked around too many people because of the big data company um, I founded and built and uh, and built really quickly and then sold really quickly. Thank goodness I got out of that disgusting business. Um, that that when I've met people who have patents on systems that can identify who you are when you sit down at a keyboard at an internet cafe in Bangkok in about fifteen keystrokes, right. Because right, your right. keystrokes are as identifiable as your fingerprint because everybody has unique foibles and unique timing. Mm-hmm. 
right? That you hit the keys at a certain cadence. Uh, or I sat down and talked to a guy, same guy, had a patent on identifying human beings in a crowd, you know, a couple thousand people um, by being able to see your legs below the knee for like seven foot steps. Oh, there's Zach right there. Wow. Doesn't even need to see your yeah. face. So please don't yeah. tell me that that same level of skill can't come and figure out to, how to see what you're typing into a keyboard, right? I, I just don't buy that. Now that's, 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 that's the least of my concerns. My bigger concern is this, that when I see the thieving and I see, and forgive me for calling this, I mean, this is probably outrageous that it couldn't possibly be a rating of the treasury, right? I mean, yeah, well, cause yeah. when I, when I, so when I see that Zach and I see top down, bottom up, squeeze the middle activities, I see the fed breaking the law to the tune of what did you say? $600 billion. Um, I, like I, I see <laughs> Pfizer, um, invests in, in the, uh, a, a highly, uh, produced, you know, manipulated form of cannabis to treat illnesses. Next thing I know, I'm seeing a bunch of reports going, cannabis can help to help you feel better about the COVID. Or I see Pfizer buys a company. Pfizer's giving people myocarditis and pericarditis and heart disease. What do they do? They buy a company that will give you a pill to block the symptoms of the fact that they killed your heart. So when I'm watching this sort of stuff, here's where I'm at, Zach. That's all manipulation. It's integration. It's yes. That's all. That's the fancy. No, we're just we're just vertically uh, vertically integrating death. Uh, we yeah. want to be with you from death to death. Um, when I'm when I'm when I'm watching that, and I see this massive corruption, here's where I'm at. And I'll boil it down this way: Bitcoin. Everybody hates a redneck till their car breaks down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right? Everybody hates a redneck and tell, oh man, my car's broken and no one can come. Oh, you know who can do this? Hank up the street. Oh, honey, yeah, but you, you always make fun of Hank in his truck. Uh, I'll take a wine. Hank, don't drink wine. You take so my point is this: when it comes time for real value, if we're really dealing with the thievery, I think we are. Right. There's going to come a time where you, what do you have? What do you own? I own land. I own ways to develop food. I own ways to feed myself. I have these things because I'll tell you something. If things get really bad, I'm, I'm toast professionally. You know, if, mm -hmm. if, 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 if everything hits the wall, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I can't put up a fence, but I'll talk it. I'll, I'll come and talk in your house. I'm a good talker, right? And frankly, my brother, I hate to say this to you, but if the, if the whole thing crashes, I mean, we'll figure it out. God will take care of us. But you could be coming along and saying, I'm going to manage your money. My money's in chickens, son. Manage my eggs. What are you going to make more eggs? Right. Uh, and, and I know that's, that's a defeatist point of view. And it's also for me, this it's also, what are the things of God that, that I know provide value, food, water, shelter, love, family, faith, so maybe, yeah. maybe I'm just too much of a defeatist. No, I don't think you are, but I think it also, you know, you and I have talked about this one before too, that it, you know, the Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, verse by uh, Solomon, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, you know, it, or reminds me of the old adage, you know, men play, men, we, we play our games and God plays his. And you know what, what our games are at the end of the day don't really matter. And that it, it, it when you look at it from a, you know, not just a financial aspect, but in my opinion, a biblical aspect, um, we're always trying to be distracted, right? We're always trying to look out for the next new thing. And yeah. we're always tempted as human beings to believe there is something new under the sun, 
right? That this time it's different. That this manager's really got it figured out. That they really know how to pick stocks. Yeah. You know, it, the reason that guys like Warren Buffett are so have been so successful. And we don't need to get into his politics, but the, it's because that they they are immune from from uh, peer review pressure, right? They're immune from peer pressure. Uh, they're sitting there going, no, I don't care what the herd is doing. I see value here and I'm buying it regardless because I know eventually I will be rewarded. It's you look, everybody says that it's a really hard thing to do. And I'm reminded, and I don't, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I'm reminded of that period in 1999 where the NASDAQ was up 101% in that 12 month period of time. S&P was like up 60. Berkshire Hathaway was down 25%. Oh, How many people do you think sold Berkshire Hathaway to buy the NASDAQ? I, I, I know so many people. One of the greatest radio guys in the history of the world is a guy named Bob Rivers. And Bob used to yep. be big, huge FM morning show in Seattle, rock show. And, and he had Spike and, and they were just Bob. Bob's retired and would cost millions of dollars to ever do radio again. I think he lives in Maine or something, raises bees. Um, I remember driving in at my internet radio company, listening to what he called the legalized gambling report. And he would have the Vegas theme and here's where the stocks are at. Cause he's a real savvy, real active investor. And, and so that was that period. And now I'm looking at it, but it's official government policy that we're going right. to right. So now the legalized gambling report is they're doing it. We just get to watch them do it to us unless Unless we work with people like you. All right. Well, that's a fascinating discussion. Um, We'll we'll think of a topic next time, um, but I'm very, very tempted um, in this topic to talk about Wall Street that was and Wall Street that is. Could we examine that? Because you mentioned you were saying don't get emotional about the stock. And that's what Bud Fox reminded Gordon Gecko. Right. Bud said, Gordon, you always told me don't get emotional about the stock. Decide. That's right fine. Yeah. Sell. Can we talk next week about the, what wall street really is versus what it was designed to be? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. All right. Uh, Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management, uh, knowyourriskradio.com and huge support of the show. Appreciate you coming on my brother. And as always go with God's good grace. Hey, you bet too. Great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. As always uh, love to get your feedback, particularly did we answer the Bitcoin thing enough? You can uh, go to the website, thetoddhermanshow.com. I'd love to know if that's folks who are upset with this about the Bitcoin thing last night or last time, if you feel better about that now. Just, just you know, I think owning real things. That's where I'm at. I started today by talking about working in industries where it's so easy to, to lose your soul. Um, And I had the incredible experience of working during the time that record stores ended. And in fact, and this just, I got to thinking this as I was talking with Zach, I was in Tower Records headquarters when it was very clear to me that record stores in in whole were going to end. Now, I know that there are still some incredible record stores left and, and there's a place in Spokane called 10,000 Holes, which is phenomenal and a great place to go find new records. And And there's places, uh, at least there used to be, man, I, I can't remember what they're called anymore, but on the Ave, New um, District, there were used to be some amazing record stores there. And, and like, it's like small bookstores. You go find incredible music because it's personally curated. Um, But I got to be in Sacramento, California, 
at Tower Records, our internet radio company was doing a deal with Tower where they were going to be fulfillment partners. They were trying to get into digital. So here we are down where I am in Sacramento, and I'm having lunch with the guy who ran digital just right across the, the road from Tower Records. And at that point, Tower Records was still kind of this must-go place where artists and, and uh, R&R um, record and radio people would go and, and their reps would go sell records. So we're having lunch. This guy, he's been in the business forever. This guy's name is Dave, and he's been in the business forever. And I am just, I am a fanboy sitting there like, wow, I'm at Tower Records. I can't believe I'm at Tower Records. I'm at Tower Records HQ. And I think, I think I remember having a BLT. And this guy walks in and I can't take my eyes off of him. And I realize I'm losing track of the business conversation. And I'm watching this guy. Now I'm curious what he's ordering. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. I think that's a vegetarian sandwich. And he... Dave catches on that I'm completely distracted. And I see he's like, he's looking at me like, kid. I look back. Like, oh, this question. Do you guys have artists come and play? So, oh, yeah. We have artists come play all the time. I go, um, I'm pretty sure that's Glenn Tilbrook from Squeeze. And he goes, that's, that's Glenn. Like from Squeeze. He goes, yeah, it's Glenn. I goes, is Chris Difford? He goes, no, it's just Glenn. I go, were you going to tell me that you had Glenn Tilbrook here or not? He goes, oh, I'm sorry. We have this stuff all the time. Are you a squeeze fan? I go, oh, absolutely. I go, but anyway, I know we're here to do business. He goes, no, 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 no. If you're a fan, he goes, I'm a huge fan. I didn't know if you were, you're a younger guy. Let's go. We'll watch him. It's time to do the business. How long are you here? I said, well, now I'll stay all day. So he goes, no, look, we'll continue the business discussion. I love that you're a fan. Let's go watch this. So I got this incredible opportunity to go over to the Tower Records. Um, they had a um, little, I don't know, a little concert hall. And Glenn Tilburg from, you remember the band Squeeze, right? Um, Tented by the Fruit of Another was their biggest hit. They had a brilliant record at the end of the 80s called Play. And there's some songs, and you'll hear one, a little mini music review here. Um, and, and, and Glenn does this mini set, and he's promoting the album Play which was one of my favorite Squeeze albums. So he played some of the new cuts and I thought, this is incredible. Then I realized I can't sit here alone. I actually called my best friend and brother, Matthew, who is himself an incredible musician. In fact, I played one of his songs um, on top of the world for you. So he was my VP of music at stuff at the uh, music and stuff, VP of programming at, at the internet radio company. So I called him I, and he picks up, he goes, um, you know, oh, it says, oh, look, listen, don't, don't talk. Don't talk. Matthew, just listen. And I turn the phone up and, and I hold it up in the area and, and then I go, you hear it? He goes, put it back, put it back. And I, <laughs> I put it back and he's listening, you know, long distance to a song that I'm pretty sure is dirty. I, I listen to the song. I'm pretty sure there's a big double entendre in this, but it's just classic pop. And it's classic pop of the almost John Lennon style, Bob Dylan style, playing with you in the lyrics. Um, do I hear what I think I'm hearing? Uh, it has a classic step down. If you want to get into music theory, you listen to the hook and it has this classic, what is it? C to like a, a, a it's a step down C. It's not a C minor, like a C7. And then it drops into an A minor. Those people in music will understand what I mean by this step down. It's the same step down that's in changes and, um, 
Oh, there was a Paul McCartney song that has this. It's a famous step down that he does in the hook. He's in, so he plays this song and we're just, we're squeeze fans. Matthew and I were songwriters together. So I put the phone back up and he gets to hear this. This is a, an approximation of what he heard because it was Glenn by himself. I'm going to leave you with this. Lazing about the beach all day at night, the cricket's creepy. Screaming faces at the sky. A hair robin's paperback. Silver shop that bones and dry. And everybody wants a hat. But behind Sally, my holidays complete. And I feel like William Tell made me. So my buddies are put, put it back, put it back, put the phone back, put the phone back. Sinking through the sea, so cold, top of ladies look away. A he man in a sudden shower, shouted from the rain. You wish you had a motorboat to pose around the harbor bar. And when the sun goes out to bed, you hook. Behind the car, but behind the chalet, my holidays complete, and I feel like William Tell made Marion on her tiptoe. So it's just this magic moment that I was just so blessed to have. And I don't make any statement about Glenn keeping his soul or not keeping his soul, but I'll tell you this. I think you can tell a lot about famous people by how they interact. And so the little play-in stopped. I got in line and Dave said, no, go, go see the guy. Go see him. Because I kept saying, I'm so sorry. We're here to do business. He goes, Todd, I'm a fan too. Go see him. I've met him three times. Go see him. I'm going to see him later. We're doing a business meeting. So I walk up and I'm in line and I have my cell phone. And, and Glenn notices this because I have to switch hands at my right hand. I switched it to my left hand and shook hands with him. I said, I got to ask a question. He goes, is someone on the phone? I said, yes, he's my brother. He's my best friend. He taught me how to write music. And, oh, let's talk with him then. And he picks up the phone, Glenn Tilbrook. He picks up and goes, hello, it's Glenn. And I can hear Matthew talking to him. He goes, right, no, it's, um, new records. Yeah, so it's Coldplay. A um, little bit, uh, maybe more acoustic than some of the work we've done. Your friend here is quite large, says you're also a musician. And they talk for like five minutes. Says, All right, lots of people in line then, love. I really appreciate you. And he hands me about the phone. And, and I just said, Glenn, that's just so cool. He goes, oh, glad to do it, mate. Lots of people in line. I said, I got it. Lots of people in line. Incredible. And I think you can tell a lot about that. And for all the people right now who have not had those experiences, you're going to have yours. But don't forget to stop the other thing. And this is the thing that I live with today in the memory of I'm so glad I just stopped it. The business meeting went on and you know what? It actually helped us close the deal. I am not kidding. Because after that, Dave took me in his office and he goes, I want to figure out a way to make this work. I said, you know, so do I. He goes, no. He goes, look, you guys are starting out. You don't have the heft that we'd normally have in a partner. But I will tell you this. 
you love music. I loved watching that. We're going to find a way to make this work, Todd. And I told him, Dave, even if it doesn't work, I just got to meet Glenn Tilbrook. It worked. Just be okay stopping the other thing. This is the Todd Herman Show. Go be well, be strong, be kind, and please be right with God.